0: Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus some praise. Oh, come on. It feels good in the house of the Lord. Let's give God great praise. Hallelujah. Come on. He's the only one worthy of all of the praise. He's the only one that deserves it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My hallelujah is yours, Jesus. I give you praise. I give you praise. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give God a shout of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Feels so good in the house of the Lord. Amen. How many thankful to be in church here tonight? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thankful for what we feel, the presence of the Lord that's here. I mean, how many enjoyed amen, the presence of God that we felt on Sunday? Hallelujah. Praise God. Thankful for all of our guests and all of our visitors that were here. And God was touching and talking to uh So many of them. Amen. I'm thankful for what God's doing. And God is bringing a mighty revival. And I don't know about you, but I'm just thankful to be a part of it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn over to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 43. Amen. Matthew, chapter 5, and verse... Forty-three. Jesus says, you have heard it, heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate your enemy. And that's all right. Let's close our Bibles and go home. Praise God. But I say unto you, I love that. Jesus changes our perspective love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you and why that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven how many wants to be like Jesus amen I hope that's your prayer that's why you come to church right I don't know. I don't know. Some people just come to church for all sorts of reasons. They come for the social aspect of it, and that's good. They come because maybe they get excited. Amen. That's good. That's that's wonderful. It's nothing wrong with getting excited. Other people come to church. Uh, some are looking for a spouse. Amen. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Great place to find somebody. The marry is in the house of the Lord. But I, I want to tell you the main reason that you and I come to the house of the Lord is to be like Jesus. Man, It's It's not to shake each other's hands, although that's all good and that's in order. Amen. But the number one reason that we come to the house of the Lord, the reason we come to prayer meetings is so we can be like Jesus. Amen. So he said, do this, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his Son. I want you to think about what your Father in heaven does, how he acts to people. He makes his Son to rise up. On the evil and on the good, he's impartial and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans do the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do so? Be you therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That is one of the most difficult verses you and I will ever face. How wants to be perfect? Man, we got to get the right idea of perfection. Man, you want to know how to be perfect? Well, I'm going to teach you for the next little bit how to be perfect. Amen. If you set down your Bibles, we're going to pray all across this building that God would speak to us, that God would touch us. Hallelujah, Lord. I want to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that there's people all across this building that their desire is to be like you. And I'm praying, Lord, that you would help us to take this word, God, apply it to our lives so that we can be perfect even as you are perfect. God, that's our strive today. We are striving towards the mark of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. God, we're giving you great glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And I'm going to continue on in our series, Matters of the Heart, Part 6. We're going to talk about love. Hey, Amen. turn to your neighbor and tell him love. Hallelujah. Love is a wonderful subject. I do fear that love has become so cliched that in our modern society, we are scared to talk about it. We're afraid of falling into the crevices and cracks of just being ordinary and we don't want to talk about it especially in church culture it shocked me through the years uh, that I've traveled and found that love is a subject that uh, especially amongst the apostolic church that it seems as if people shy away from and I understand why because people throughout our secular world have misrepresented love especially biblical love they've misrepresented God's love They've misrepresented uh, this, this concept of love as a whole. Uh, our world, they, they think that uh, that if somebody does something for you, that means love. Uh, but that's not always the case. And so I get it. There's a lot of landmines you got to go through because we're, deari- we're dealing with a world that doesn't quite understand love. Amen. Jesus starts out as he does in all of our other texts. You have heard it said. He is taking what his current world thought and what they had a paradigm about, and he's about to flip it on its head. And I thank God for his word because that's exactly what the word of God does. Amen. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word shall never pass away. Amen. His word is truth, and our world is no longer embracing truth. They're not even embracing simple biology. That is a truth. Male and female, that is a truth. And uh, they're not accepting the truth of life, the truth of reality. And so when we come to church, we are now able, when we read the word of God or we come to church here teaching and preaching, we are being confronted with truth. It is taking any paradigm that we have received in our modern world, and God is using that, amen, and he is going to use it as a nice landscape. And he's going to say something like this. You've heard it said, but I say unto you. Amen." I know there's a lot of things that I've thought in my my life and in my mind, and I've thought that it might be accurate, it might be true. There's some things that the adversaries put in my mind. I mean, some thought processes that uh, my raising put there, but I thank God for the day that God came into my world and said, "You heard it said this way, but let me show you the right way." Amen. Amen. You have heard this is this dysfunction is normal, but I say unto you, it's not normal. And you have heard that this is acceptable, but God's word shows up and says it is not. Amen. I love God because His word is. It's like, the Bible says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's a scalpel and a sword. It does both. It can, it can completely uh, get rid of. It can be used as an instrument as a weapon uh, that can destroy, or it can be used as a medical instrument that can remove things. But God's Word is confrontational. And when Jesus shows up, He said, You have heard it said, Love your neighbors and hate your enemies. It was a justifiable statement, amen, to love your neighbors. In fact, Leviticus 19 and 18, and there's a whole bunch of other verses I could have pulled up here today. Amen. Going back and leaning a little bit on what we talked about last week where Jesus pulled this. He said, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of your people but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. It is justifiable to find in the scriptures that we are to love our neighbor as ourself. The Mosaic law commanded that you are to love your neighbors. Amen. I want you to know that it's still in the word of God today. It is still important for us to understand that we are to love our neighbors. Now tonight, I'm not going to talk about two other loves. Amen. I'm going to talk about it for a small minute, and then I'm going to move on. But there's two other loves that we've got to talk about before we start talking about loving other people. It's first and foremost, you got to love God. That should be an easy one. We're in church. That will make somebody shout. Amen. You want to know why we love God? The Bible declares we love him because he first loved us. For you to think that you can come to church and love God because you're just a great person is not accurate. Amen. I want you to know where love originated from. The very essence of love, whether it's the love towards God, the love towards yourself, or the love towards other people. I want you to know where the origin story is. It goes back to God himself. Amen. If there's ever been a reason to love anybody or anything, it is the simple fact that God first showed us love. Amen. God's love is above any love. God's love is unconditional love. God's love. uh, Amen. While, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were ungodly, when we were without strength, God looked down on you and I in the mess, in the miry clay, in the pit that we were found in, and he said, in the midst of your mess, I love you. I think I ought to just preach that for a moment. There's some people that don't think God love them, and they think that maybe they got to do something better for God to love them. God loves you right where you are. <laughs> Hallelujah. God doesn't wait for you to get things right before he loves you. He loves you right there. And, it, and, and some people wonder, well, what's the whole point of that? God does that because his love is so deep for you right where you are that it will not leave you where you are. God's love is rescuing love. God's love is redeeming love. Uh, Amen. God looks down from heaven and his love says, I see you in your mess and the mess doesn't change how I feel about you. Uh, If anything, it drives my love even further, amen, to get there quicker, to pull you out. Amen. So we've got to love God in return. It's not that we have to. That's the whole reason for this whole thing. Some people wonder why did God put a tree in the middle of the garden and then tell him not to eat of it. Because without choice, you and I are nothing more than robots. Amen. Robots don't love. And I know there's some people who think that AIs are going to become sentient. That's not going to happen. Because you got to love to be sentient. And, and there's that ideology. We are created in love created by love and now god gives us the opportunity to set our affections and set our loves on anything that we want to amen we don't have to love god that's the whole point of this thing amen you'd be shocked how many people have made the decision they don't want to love god and you think if it were you or i we we'd be like we'd be up in heaven amen getting ready to thump on some people because of after all we've done for them amen that that they should love us back but God doesn't do that. God gives us the option whether or not we want to love God. The Bible declares that we are to love, amen, not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if, the love, if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in them. How do you and I prove and show that we love God? By removing a love for other things. By putting God no longer at the back of our lives, at the edge of our lives, but putting God front and center right where he belongs. When we see such great salvation, we respond in kind. When we see and feel such love, amen, God showed us such unconditional love so that when we choose to love him back, Amen, that we might take and pull from that, that love that he's poured into us Amen, to pour it back out on God. Amen, so it goes without saying we are to love God. Amen. But the next level is we are to love ourselves. And I'm not talking about our modern day and modern generation's way of loving themselves. I'm not talking about what Paul talked about, that in the end times they shall be lovers of them own selves. I'm not talking about self-centered people. Amen. I'm not talking about people that all they care about is number one and taking care of number one and self-preservation like we talked about on Sunday. I'm not talking about that kind of love. Amen. I'm talking about uh, having a true, amen, love for what God has made you and who God has made you to be. Our world is plagued with insecurities. Our churches are plagued with insecurities. This is, if we don't get these first two right, I am guaranteeing we'll get the other ones wrong as well. But if we can get the first two right, I believe with all my heart that God will help us with the rest. When you love God, you understand you are loved by God. You then love God in return. And if you think about the fact that God, amen, being ultimate love and God being ultimate judgment chose to love you in spite of your flaws, that ought to strike something in your heart that says if God can love, amen, a wretch like me, I can love me as well. Amen. I think it's important for us to love ourselves. You ought to, you, ought to, you ought to think about the fact that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. I didn't come to preach about this, but I feel it. There's some people, your insecurities are driving you, amen, and they're driving other people away from you, amen, but it all starts back here. You don't understand how truly, amen, and deeply loved you are by God. Therefore, you cannot truly and deeply love yourself uh, as God has made you. This is why people go looking for love in all the wrong places because they don't have an understanding God already he loves me hallelujah. hallelujah this is the old eve complex uh, that if you eat of this fruit then you'll finally be like god the old eve complex says that if you do x y and z god will finally love you uh, and you can finally love you uh, if you just put this on or take this off uh, that'll make you lovable but that's a lie from the pit of hell you are already lovable I've just come to preach against the spirits of this area that are saying you got to do certain things to be lovable. you gotta, you got to portray yourself in a certain way to be lovable. I want to tell you, you were lovable before you ever started trying. Oh Amen. So you are to love God. You are to love yourself, and that will lead us to the next level. These Mosaic Law commanded that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yet... Some teachers in the days of Jesus added the opposite. They assumed that because God was silent, they needed to speak for God. They said that you are to love your neighbors and hate your enemies. You know, that's not in your Bible. Outside of when Jesus is talking to them, he is pulling up what they have taught as theology. That as much as you are to love your neighbors... You should have an utter hatred for your enemies. That's not even from God. They felt as if they had an equal obligation to hate. This obligatory hatred. They generally looked upon the uncircumcised as not being their neighbors. All the Gentiles were seen as being their enemies. Uh, They did not and they did not feel any obligation to love them. In fact, history records uh, even some of the Roman writing uh, that the Jewish people hated everybody but other Jewish people. It was commonly noted that as much as they loved their own kind, they hated everybody else. Amen. I want to tell you, it's not the will of God Amen, in the church for us to just love our own kind. Hallelujah. Can I just put it that way? Whether it's just to love other apostolic people or just to love people that speak the same language as you or just to love people that have the same color of skin as you or just to love people that have the same background as you, I want to tell you that is not the will of God uh, for you to only have love for people that are just like you. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise. So somewhere they got it in their mind that they are to love their neighbor and they are to hate their enemy. As much as I love, I am to equally hate. Our world's teaching that. They will even tell you you have a right to be hateful. You have the right to hate somebody. I want to tell you that nowhere in the Scriptures does it give you or I as Christians the right to hate somebody else. Oh, well, you don't know what they did. You don't know how they did it. Uh, And you'll have friends that will speak in your ear. You'll have people on your Instagram and Facebook that when you go off on a rant and a tangent that you should have never gone off in the first place, they'll agree with you and tell you, yeah, that's right. Uh, You should hate your enemies. I want to tell you, it's not the will of God for you to hate anybody. Do you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36. Amen. I feel like preaching this, but I'm going to teach this here tonight because it's, well, Pastor, why are we talking about this so much? I'll tell you why, because it's a matter of the heart. And if we don't get this stuff right, we, we might as well stop here and spend the next, because if we do these things, we'll be like Jesus. And I'm more interested in our church being like Jesus Amen, than anything else. I'm not interested in our church keeping up with somebody else on social media. I'm interested in, in leading people that want to be like Jesus. I'm interested in shepherding people that want to get to where Jesus wants them to get. Hallelujah. And what does that come down to? It comes down to character. It comes down to your heart. It comes down to getting things right. Because, God, before we ever grow up, uh, amen, we got to grow our roots down. Amen. Jesus was confronted and said, Master, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. He could have stopped there, and they would have applauded him and said, Jesus, that's right. But he kept going. The first is the great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You want to fulfill the Old Testament I got news for you. Jesus tells us how in verse 40. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. You mean to tell me that if we really, I'm not talking about we just say we got these, but if we really got these, we completely would fulfill the entire half of the Bible, the first half of the Bible. You mean to tell me that if we could love God uh, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, uh, if we were to love our neighbor as ourselves, you mean to tell me that we could accomplish, uh, amen, most of the scriptures uh, in just one fell swoop? How many would love, uh, amen, to fulfill the scriptures? Uh, How many would love uh, to say, I don't need the Ten Commandments? Uh, I got two of them and I got them down. Can I help somebody? Amen, that's all well, we need the Ten Commandments. No, you don't. You need two. Praise God, I came to preach. You don't need Ten Commandments. You don't need 660-something laws made by Moses telling you this, that, and the other. If you can get two of them down, it'll take care of everything else. It's to love God with everything and to love your neighbor as you love yourself with the revelation that God loves me with everything. All right. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 27. On these two, all everything hangs in the balance our shouting on sunday hangs in the balance on those two because you can shout and not love god hey hallelujah you can shout and you can love the music love the beat but not love god and you've not fulfilled the scriptures and you can also go and shout amen love god with everything and hate your brother the bible says you're a liar because if you can If you hate your brother that you can see, there's no possible way for you to love a God that you can't see. Amen. All right, let's find. We're going to do a parallel of the same scripture. Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Amen. Speaking to a a lawyer. Amen. As I talked about on Sunday, they're always trying to trap Jesus. Amen. And they asked Jesus the same question. And he answered. Amen. Jesus turns it on him and asks him the question. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. This is when Jesus is asking a question in reverse. Amen. They tried to trip him up. He's now asking it back to this lawyer. And he said to them, uh, Jesus says unto him, you have answered right. This do and thou shalt live. Jesus said, all right, you gave the right answer. You got the textbook answer. You heard what I said in the previous, uh, amen, verses now. Amen. Go do this and you will live. Ready? Let's, let's go to the next verse. But he willing to justify himself. You ever felt like that? Amen. God convicts you and you want to flip through your Bible and find a verse <laughs> to justify yourself yourself. Amen. God speaks to you at an altar, tells you what you got to do, but there's something else you want to come up with, an excuse to justify yourself. He says unto Jesus, uh, I'm gonna what, what is he doing? His motive there is to get out of it. Because he understands I answered the question right logically, but I've not been living the answer. Amen. It's not enough for us to know the answer, church. Uh, we've got to live the answer. We've got to be the answer. It's not enough to quote scripture, we gotta become. The Bible says we are living epistles, seen and read of all men. You might be the only Jesus that anybody ever sees. They may never come to church. They may never read a scripture, but they can read you. But he willing to justify himself. I have had many moments with people like this, amen, where you you get them in a corner You just, you show them the scriptures, you just get them in a corner with the word of God, amen, where there's no other moral right answer than the one you presented to them, amen, but they, being willing to justify themselves, said unto Jesus, who then is my neighbor? Amen. What he's saying is, I know the common theme and the common thought in our world. We are Jews, and we only love other Jews. He's got the ideology. he's he's trying to trip Jesus up because if Jesus says anybody other than Jews, he'll be ousted and everybody will know, amen, because that's not how they do things. And, and so he says, who then is my neighbor? And he proceeds to tell, Jesus proceeds to tell a story, amen, of a, of a man that's on his way, uh, amen, down to Jericho from Jerusalem. And on his way, he falls among thieves uh, and the thieves beat him up, they rob him and they leave him for dead. And and a little bit time goes by, and a priest walks by, uh, a religious leader, amen. And he he sees that there's somebody in a ditch, uh, and he crosses over to the other side of the street and avoids this man. And then he says there was a Levite, another religious guy, but he wasn't a preacher. Uh, he was just a good church goer. Uh, amen. The Bible says he saw that, and he got over to the other side because uh, he didn't want to help him. And the Bible declares a Samaritan, amen, a half uh, Jewish, half Gentile, uh, somebody that should have. Never been involved in the circumstance. Uh, Amen. Came to where he was, picked him up, put him on his beast, uh, took him all the way up, back up to Jerusalem. Amen. Paid for his stay. Uh, Amen. Bound up his wounds with oil and wine, cleaned him up. Uh, Amen. Left the clerk with a little extra money and says, If he spends it all, I'll pay it back when I get back. The person that should have never taken care of him took care of him. And Jesus asked the question Who was the neighbor? And the man had to, had to answer. The neighbor was the one that helped him. Amen. I want to help you here today. Amen. Amen. We cannot pick and choose who we have to love. Jesus reminds us that in a sense, God means that all people are our neighbors, amen, even our enemies, amen, sometimes your enemies live in the same household sometimes your enemies live in the same neighborhood amen, sometimes your enemies are just within earshot of you they're your neighbors, to truly fulfill this law, we must love we must bless, we must do good for, we must pray for our enemies amen, not only our closest friend, amen, there's people that ask the question, like this man trying to justify themselves amen, how close do I have to be to them, uh, amen, in order to consider them my neighbor, uh, how close do I got to get to them before I am required to love them, uh, instead we should ask the question, uh, amen, instead we should feel in ourselves, uh, no matter how far away they are from me, uh, they're my neighbor and I should love them, there's this concept called six six degrees of separation, anybody ever heard of that, six degrees of separation, all right, How about six degrees of Kevin Bacon for all my unsafe folk? That means that within six friends of a friend, you can come up and anybody in the world, you are you are somehow connected to them. It's the idea that that all people are six or few social connections away from each other. The concept was originally set out in 1929, a short story uh, where a group of people played a game trying to connect any person in the world to themselves by a chain of five others. With social media, that degree they're finding is getting smaller and smaller by the day. What am I telling us here today? We are all neighbors. I like Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers said, "Would you, won't you be my neighbor? Amen. I want to tell you, we ought to go out in our world, uh, amen, with the mentality uh, that even if they don't live in your neighborhood, they're your neighbor. Uh, and the Bible says we're to love them as much as we love ourselves. Uh, and we are to love ourselves with the understanding that God loves us. Uh, everything goes back, uh, amen, that if we love God, uh, we are called to love our neighbors. Uh, and who's our neighbor? Everybody in the world. Uh, who's your neighbor? The person in Bangladesh. Uh, who's your neighbor? the person living in your street? Uh, Who's your neighbor the person living in your house? Uh, Who's your neighbor Uh, the person living in Reno when you're living out here? Uh, Who's your neighbor the person of a different skin tone? Who's your neighbor the person that speaks a different language? Uh, Who's your neighbor? And what are we to do when we find them? We ought to love them like God has helped us to love ourselves. Oh, somebody ought to lift up their hands and pray. Come on. Hallelujah, we're, we're almost done here tonight, uh, but I've come to help us. Amen, we've got to have love, church. We've got to have love. We can't have just love for things and hobbies. We can't just have love, uh, amen, for God and uh, amen, for the kingdom of God and for church folk. Uh, but we got to have love, uh, amen. We love ourselves enough to bring ourselves to church. We ought to find our neighbor and bring them to church too. Hallelujah. Man, if you love yourself enough to get yourself to the house of God, find somebody else. Because if it works for you, it'll work for them. Hallelujah. I'm convinced of that. It works for me, it'll work for everybody else. Hallelujah. What God's doing in my life will work for everybody else. Uh, amen. And, and if I love myself enough to get ready and come to church, uh, I love other people enough to go tell them, you got to come with me to the house of the Lord. Uh, amen. If there's something about that uh, amen, where God is calling us to love. There are three levels we find in our scripture here tonight that we need to grow in our love or at least experience Expound, uh, experience our love and, and share our love with other people. Amen. First and foremost, this is the easiest one. You ready for it? Amen. Everybody's, everybody loves this one. Number one, you got to love those that love you. Man, that's tough. Ugh. Isn't it just hard to love people that love you? No, no, it's not. It's so easy to love people that love you. This is why flattery is so deceptive. Amen. Because... There's something about it. You get around people that just tell you how great you are. You start believing it. They start showing you love. You start feeling loved. Amen. Now, some people do it for ulterior motives, but other people, and most of the times, they're doing it because they really love you. In fact, I believe that everybody in this building knows at least one person, and if you don't, I love you. Hallelujah. The church loves you. My wife and I love you. Amen. There are people that love you. It is easy, amen, to love other people that love us. We like that. It's it's something that's natural. In fact, the people you want to spend the most time with are the ones that show you the most love, amen. And love doesn't always come in the form of like, hallelujah. We talk about some family problems, praise God. Yeah, love doesn't always come in the form of like. Sometimes you don't like that person, but you sure love them, amen. That parent that makes you take your vitamins, amen, and, and those little Flintstone chewables that are great. Amen. They don't make chewables no more. We got to choke them down. Hallelujah. You get older, they stop taking the candy away. (laughs) But you got to take it. You got to love those people, anyways, uh, because you know that what they're doing is they're showing you care. When somebody corrects you, they are showing you love. When somebody instructs you, they are showing you love. The Bible says open rebuke is better than secret love. We are experts at loving those that love us. Jesus said, But if you only love those that love you and say, well, those people that love me, that's my neighbor. He says you're no different than anybody else. You've not gone to another level. Luke chapter 14 and verse number 12. Number two, everybody say love the unloved. This one gets a little harder. This is level two. Most of us live and they stay our entire lives because... By nature, we are, I mean, we have to fight our nature, but by nature, we are selfish creatures. We love those that love us. It's self-serving. But we are called to love the unloved. Luke 14 and 12, Then he said to them that bade him, When you make a dinner or a supper, Call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, Lest they also bid you to their house and, re- and a recompense, or they pay you back for the good that you did unto them. And he said, but when you make a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. Amen. We're talking about the year of favor. Who wants to have the favor of God? How many wants to be blessed? You want to be blessed? I want to tell you where blessing comes from. It's going from level one to level two. And you shall be blessed, for they cannot recompense. They cannot pay you back. Amen. For thou shalt be recompensed or paid back at the resurrection of the just. Amen. Let me help somebody here today because this is, amen. Pastor, why are we talking about this? Because I believe there's people that are currently living in this level, and God bless you for it. But God is calling us up to this level. God is calling the entire church up to this level because we're going to be a blessed people. Amen. Is Jesus saying you can't have you can't have dinner with your friends? That's not what Jesus is saying. Is he saying you can't have dinner with your family and just a select group? That's not what he's saying. Uh, Amen. You only have so many seats at your dinner table. Hallelujah. But what is Jesus saying? Uh, he's saying that somewhere uh, you've got to find somebody, uh, amen, that can't pay you back. Uh, you've got to find somebody that doesn't serve you, that can't do nothing for you. He said, you find the halt, the maimed, the lame, and you bring them unto your table, and you feed them. There's some people got the spirit of hospitality in the house of the Lord, and I'm going to tell you what ARC is going to stand for. ARC is going to have a spirit of hospitality. If there's anything we're going to have revival in, it's hospitality. My table is not just for my friend. My table is for the unloved. Hallelujah. Can I preach to somebody? ARC is not just for the loved. It's for the unloved. ARC is open. You want to know why we feed people at least once a month? Because we're letting them know our table is open to you. Our house is open to you. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. I got to talk about this for a moment because this is a key to revival church. This is a key to our church being the most blessed church. If we will reach for the people that nobody wants, God will give us the people everybody wants. Hey, listen, we reach for everybody. Uh, we welcome and open up our church to everybody. Uh, you can have more degrees than a thermometer, uh, or you can be down and out uh, and, and and owe mon- more money than you've ever had in your entire life. Uh, you are welcome at Apostolic Revival Center. Our tables are open. Well, Pastor, I, I went, I've been to some places. Well, we don't want that group there. I'll never forget, amen, That that... Uh, my pastor was sitting down with one of our—he's now one of our assist, administrative assistants back home, at uh, in Spokane—and they went out to Red Robin, and, and one of their servers was an assistant pastor uh, of one of the larger churches in the area, and they talked to him, and they—and he said, "Oh, so you're a pastor?" And, And uh, he said, yeah, our pastor got up on Sunday. And he said, church, I want to let you know what we're reaching for. He said, we're reaching for the middle age. We're reaching for those uh, that have a couple kids. We're reaching for the middle class, amen, American. That's what we're reaching for in our city. And my pastor, amen, pulled out a church card. And he said, you take this card back to your pastor. And you tell him, everybody you don't want, will take Preach to Apostolic Revival Center. You take this card to anybody that they don't want, and we'll take them. But they'll make your church a little messy. So be it. Revival's messy. The kids might stain the van. Let them stain the van. Bring them to church. They might mark up the seats. We'll get them dry cleaned. We'll get them cleaned up. We'll get them reupholstered. Our table's open. Oh, somebody ought to shout right now. Come on. You want to know Pastor Hood's heartbeat? Open the table up. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our church is open for everybody. It's open for every education or lack of education level. It's open for every race. It's open for every color. It's open for every language. It's open for every background. Uh, It's open to every orientation. They might come however they want to come. I want to tell you, our church is open for anybody. Uh, They can believe all sorts of stuff. They can believe they're a monkey for all I care. They're welcome to come to Apostolic Revival Center because when God gets done with them, we'll have the greatest revival that America's ever seen. But it doesn't just happen in the church. Amen. It happens in your homes. It happens in my home. Amen. It happens when you take them out to eat. You know, revival's not just when they come to church. Revival's when you take them out for coffee. Praise God for coffee. Doctor said, I can't drink coffee for a while. Praise God. Well, it's decaf now. Praise God. they going to keep me out of the coffee shop. Jesus' name. But I tell you what, you got to you gotta open up your home and open up your heart, uh, amen, and find somebody. There's people all across, you, there's people that you, you just don't know what God could do with them. Uh, that, that, that's why uh, we reach for the uh, people that are seemingly unloved, uh, amen, that's why all the way through the Gospels, uh, you know, if you were to go through the Gospels and all the way through the Old Testament and find the people that you would find in Hebrews 11, the people that you like the most, uh, people like David and people, uh, amen, like, uh, like Samson, if you look through your Bible and find those people people that you call heroes of the faith, uh, even people you like to teach to Sunday school kids, uh, you will find that they were some of the most outcast people in the entire Bible. Rahab the harlot, amen. She was an outcast, and yet God reached for her. And through their lineage, through that lineage, Jesus and King David came out of it. Amen. So this is what Jesus is saying. If you love those who love you, what reward have you? What more are you doing than the sinner? We should regard it as a matter of virtue. We should, we, we should we should regard it as a matter of virtue if we love the unlovable, but it is no virtue if we just love those that love us. If we just love those that can pay us back with love. Huh? Amen. I want to tell you there's times where you will love people a, and, and, and they will just be indifferent to you. You will try to help people and they'll just be indifferent to you. Huh? Amen. They they there's people that are, these unlovable ones are sometimes the most difficult people to handle. And yet We are called by Jesus to love them. Jesus is teaching here that the character of his citizens in his kingdom, that our character should be different than those in the world. Amen. There's there's a good reason why Jesus is expecting us as Christians to do more than everybody else. Hallelujah. I'm almost done right here. We've got to love the unlovable. Every business out here only wants a certain group. There are churches all across the city. They only want a certain group. That's all they care about. And they sift through people. If you're not it, you don't line up to it. We move on. The church is not that way. The church gets every kind of person. Now, I'm thankful. I I can teach and preach this in this church, and I actually feel excited because people are with me. But I've preached and taught in other churches. mean I've sat down with people and said, "Well, we don't want to keep our Sunday school kids with our bus kids." The true story is, was the kids were of a different color, and I stood up and I wouldn't invite back to preach. In fact, the revival was over at that point. I stood up and said, "That's of the devil." My integrity would not allow me to continue on in that revival and keep my mouth shut. I had to say something because it was not of God. You just want to love everybody that's just like you? No, we want to love everybody. Amen. Number three, I'm coming to a close right here. Everybody say love the, the unlovable. Yeah, it's a little different than loving the unloved. The unloved are those that just have not received love. They haven't encountered love. They don't know how to encounter love. Those ones are just, it's no fault of theirs that they've been unloved or outcast. But let's talk about the unlovable for a moment. I know you don't want to act like you've ever met anybody like this. This is what Jesus would come, would uh, put in a category, your enemies, Jesus understood that we will have enemies, yet we are to respond to them in love, trusting that God will protect our cause and destroy our enemies in the best way possible, by making them our friends hallelujah God knows how to get back at people that have got us God knows and we talked about it last week uh, on how to revenge Uh, God knows how to take uh, even those people that have been unlovable that have been rotten to the core no matter what you do they're just rotten 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 they're just rude they're just mean they just got a snarl on their face Uh, you show them love show them love show them love uh, amen and they just keep biting back at you uh, amen but the disciples attitude uh, amen has got to be one of positive love uh, that says no matter how much you fight against me, I'm going to love you. Uh, no matter how much you attack me, uh, I'm going to love you. Uh, no matter how much you persecute me, uh, no matter how much you want to retaliate against me for my love, uh, I'm going to keep loving you. Hey Amen. let me help somebody here today. You know there's people that are adversarial. Now, you just look straight ahead. You never met somebody like that. Hey Amen. In fact, some sometimes we are adversarial. The Bible talks about instructing those that oppose themselves. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. We're adversarial to ourselves. But you will meet people. You may not go to battle with them, swords and spears. Amen. But they can be adversarial towards you. And what does Jesus say to do with them? To love them. With what degree? The same degree you love yourself. The same degree you love those that love you, the same degree that you love, amen, the unloved. He said you find the unlovable, the ones that are very difficult. I want to tell you, we had, a, when I worked at the bank, we always had what we call problem customers. Hallelujah. I don't know why God has gifted me to deal with problem customers. Hallelujah. But I, I just accepted it. There was, everybody would see him come in and they would run. And uh, we, we raced to see who would be the first one to get out of there. Amen. Before they they tied us up and tagged us for about two hours and just were just rude and, and it was just not necessary. Amen. And I, I remember that uh, there just it got to a place where I was I was the new guy. I didn't know any better, but it came to the place where they all ran. I didn't know to run, and so they left me there. I'm now cornered by this individual, and they're just lighting into me. They're just most. They look like they sucked on a lemon for six months. They're just the most sour, rotten individual. And, uh, and, and I had no other choice than to endure all of this hatred coming out of them and endure it and endure it and endure it. And, uh, and, and, and week by week, I kept getting the same people. And finally, I just made it up in my mind. I can't escape them, so I will overcome them. In fact, they started asking for me. I couldn't get away from it. I don't know what it was. They just like if they were going to yell at somebody, they wanted to yell at me. And, and so God was preparing me for pastoring. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But they just wanted somebody to holler at. And so I got there, and they hollered at me. But I, I made it up in my mind, I'm going to be intentional about this. I'm going to find out more about them. I'm going to figure out why they're messed up. I'm going to figure out why they're so hateful. I'm going to figure out why they're so spiteful. And I'm going to do my best to love them in spite of it. Do you know some of those became my greatest customers? Some of those people, amen, became, they bring me stuff for Christmas. Amen, they send me cards. They threw some money in there. Praise God for that. I want to tell you, you got to love the unlovable, not because you'll get anything out of it, but you got to love those that are difficult. You got to love those that are spiteful. You got to love those that no matter what you do, they keep biting on you and chewing on you and devouring you. Why? Because I want to be loved. Jesus. Let's stand across the building. Lift up our hands in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Lift up your voice. Every one of us has got to pray about love. Every one of us. Because there's an area or an avenue in which God wants us to go to another level of love. Church, every time we go to another level of love, amen, the church itself goes to another level. Your family goes to another level. When you make it up in your mind, I'm going to love those that love me, great. I'm going to love those, amen, that have not felt love, not been loved. And I'm even willing to go to that final level and love those that make it difficult to even try to love them. Jesus said, if you do this, you'll be perfect. I opened this up tonight and said, who wants to be perfect? Everybody wants to be perfect. In other words, if a man or a woman could live the way that Jesus told us to in this chapter, you would be perfect. Pastor, I made all sorts of mistakes, okay? Are you willing to love even the unlovable, the enemies? If you want to love like Jesus, how would Jesus love? Jesus would never hate, slander, or speak evil of another person. Well, you just don't know. They've been talking about me. We already talked about retaliation. I won't get into that again. Jesus would never lust in his heart or his mind nor covet anything. He would never make false oaths. He would always be completely truthful. He would not defend his personal rights. He would not take it upon himself to defend those rights. He would turn the other cheek. He would always love his neighbors. He would love those that have not been loved. And he would even love his enemies or those that have been adversarial. If we love like Jesus, not only does he call us perfect, He gives the highest compliment that he could ever give. You're acting just like me. Told the story of Jesus on the cross. on the cross being crucified. At the end of it all, one of his last words is, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Beautiful story. A lot harder to live out. You know, there's one guy that we know of in the scriptures. There's others that did it. One guy of the scriptures that we know did it right. The Bible says Stephen went and he preached. And he preached so good that people started biting him. I've never preached that good, Elder Bobo. Um, Nobody's ever bit me since I've preached. I need to preach better on Sunday. Maybe they'll start chewing on me. I don't know. They chewed on me after service. Well, praise God. Um, They've had preacher for dinner, potluck. Hallelujah. But but I've never had anybody chew on me. Bible says they gnashed on him with their teeth. That's how good he preached. And the Bible says they took stones. They dragged him out of the city. What a great preacher. He didn't get a limo ride. He got dragged out of the city. Hallelujah. And the Bible says they stoned Stephen to death. And there's Stephen getting pummeled by rocks Hit in the head. Blood is gushing out. And with the last bit of energy, he says, Lord. These are enemies. These are adversarial people. Lord, don't lay it to their charge. And then he looks up towards heaven. I'm sure he's fading. And he says, I see Jesus. Jesus. Here's the best part. Standing on the right hand of God. What is he seeing? Everywhere else you see Jesus seated. He's seated. When you see him in the book of Revelations, he's the one that's seated on the throne. The Bible says that when he led captivity captive, he ascended up to heaven and he is seated. We are called to be seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's been on his throne ever since the resurrection and the ascension. There's only one time we see him where he's not seated after the ascension. It's when he stands to an ovation. Hands clapping, I have no doubt, looking down from heaven and saying, Stephen, that's my boy, just like your father. You loved even your enemies. You want to get a standing ovation from heaven where God looks down from heaven and says, A.R.C., you're just like me. Son, you're just like me. Daughter, you're just like me. It's when we go to that next level of love. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. I'm done preaching. Done teaching. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Come on. All across this house, everybody's got somebody that's wronged them. Everybody's got somebody that said something about them. Everybody's got somebody. They've thrown proverbial stones at you. They've they've not actually thrown them to hurt you physically, but they've thrown things and they, they've distorted your vision and they've distorted your actions and, and they made you look a certain way and you feel as if they've come against you adversarially. They feel like an enemy to you and God sent a preacher to tell you, uh, don't lay it to their charge. Love them anyway. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? Hey amen. Let's take a couple minutes out of the night and let's just pray. Come on. This is what blessing looks like. This is what blessed people do. We forgive those that have wronged us. We love those that don't even love us, those that have hated on us, those that have despitefully used us, those that have persecuted us. Uh, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. God, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. I want to be like you. Amen. And I know it's going to be moments where you're going to give me the opportunity, and it's going to come by the hand of an enemy. It's going to come by the hand of somebody that's wronged me. It's going to come by the hand of somebody that seems so unlovable and so difficult to love. But God, you've given me your spirit, and I'm going to do my best to love them through it. Come on, let's take a few moments. Come on, if you're to be honest, some of us were those unlovable ones. People still put up with us. People still loved us. It's the least I can do, God. Lord, after all I've done and after all I've been, God, I gotta love them. I gotta love them. I gotta love them.
1: With words from my mouth. I love you. I need you to survive. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you.
0: Come on. Now's an opportunity for somebody to forgive. Lay it down it's an opportunity for you to go apologize to somebody Uh, it might mean when you get home you got to send a text message uh, that says i'm sorry for for the way i've treated you Uh, amen it's an opportunity for you to forgive somebody somebody that's wronged you Uh, uh, Amen. it's time for you to strategize about how you can love them uh, in spite of how difficult they've been to love Uh,
1: come on let the holy ghost speak to you right now i need you to survive it is his will that every need be supplied you are important to me i need you to survive
0: come on let's pray this all across this you house are come on you're my neighbor you're my neighbor I need you're my neighbor you i'm going to love you
1: Hallelujah.
0: I'm going to love you in spite of anything. I love you. You're my neighbor, and
1: God's called me to love my neighbor. I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all part of God's body. Come on, if
0: it's appropriate, lay your hands over on the shoulder God's of the person next to you and pray for him. Hallelujah. They might be struggling to forgive somebody. They might be struggling to let some things go. They might be struggling to love people in spite of everything they've been through. I want you to pray for them that God would help your neighbor. Help your neighbor with this thing called love.
1: Hallelujah, let's lift our
0: hands and let's pray all across this house.
1: I need you to survive.
0: The Apostle Paul, before he was ever the Apostle Paul, he was there at Stephen's stoning. The Bible says he consented to his death. He was the one in charge, saying, Stephen, kill him. Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, was the one that said, that guy needs to die. And he watched as they stoned him. I have no doubt he probably threw a stone himself. And he was there in that moment when Stephen said, don't lay it to their charge. And on the road to Damascus, God got a hold of Saul transformed his life, turned him into the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. And I have no doubt that that moment still rings in his mind. And the Bible says that Saul, who became Paul, went preaching the gospel so vehemently, it was as if he was living two lives, living for somebody he consented to the death of, preaching more vehemently than Stephen ever did. No doubt, trying to make up for the wrongs that he had done. But as he went through preaching, Barnabas is taking him around, and they come to a little place called Antioch. You know, they say in his church history that Antioch is actually where Jesus' mother went to church. They say that Antioch is actually where the dispersed Christians from Jerusalem ended up, the ones that Paul had gone family by family, killing and imprisoning other members of their family, the refugees from that destruction ended up at Antioch. And the Bible says that Saul and and Barnabas came to Antioch. Can you imagine the man, maybe it was Stephen's wife, was in Antioch? You killed my husband. And no doubt, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there, and she's saying, oh, my goodness. This guy is trying to destroy everything my son died for. And no doubt, there's other people that are saying, that Saul came in my house, and he ripped my family apart. The Bible never records any of those conversations. The Bible only records... That, that, that Saul and Barnabas went to Antioch. They were received in Antioch. Here's the best part, though. The Bible declares they were called Christians first in Antioch. You know where the term Christianity comes from? From Antioch. Where there was people that forgave and loved somebody that was Unlovable. And they didn't call themselves Christians. Everybody else said, these guys are just like Jesus. I, want, I wonder what happened. I wonder what lives would be impacted if we left with this service, not just praying about it, but living it, saying, God, help me to love those that are unloved and those that are sometimes unlovable. I wonder if people would look at you differently and say, I don't care what anybody says about that guy. That guy's a Christian. I don't care what anybody says about that That sister, that lady. She is a Christian. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray one more time. Lord, we love you. We thank you tonight. I thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. God, I, I, I'm striving. We're all striving. Amen. For perfection, we know that it's it's hard. It's going to be near impossible to get this side of heaven without your help, God. But if we can take what we have read and take what we have, Amen. Got a hold of Amen these matters of the heart, God, and apply them to our lives. Amen. You said if we'll get that down, uh, we will be considered perfect, not in the world's eyes, maybe not even in our own eyes, but in your eyes. And God, we will be called uh, the children of our Father, which is in heaven. Uh, people will look down from, uh, Amen, at where we're at and everything we've done to love and to forgive and they will call us Christians they will say we are just like you and God I'm praying Lord every opportunity that comes amen it's going to seem hard it's going to be difficult there's going to be people that are going to wrong us there's going to be people that are going to persecute us amen there's going to be people that say all sorts of evil about us but Lord I pray in those moments help us to see the opportunity to love even the unlovable and God to take that opportunity to show your love in Jesus name we pray and everybody said amen shake hands be friendly love one another love somebody that's not felt love for a while go love somebody that's hard to love in Jesus name God bless you